Welcome back to the Turner Podcast, everybody. Um, I'm your host, Ethan, and with me, as always, is Kevin. Hey, everybody. So, uh, first off, we would like to address our minor absence this winter. So, part of, uh, of CropQuest, what the agronomists do is, in the wintertime, we go to meetings and have continuing education on crops, herbicides, just anything and everything you can think of to do our job in the field more efficiently and to stay on the cutting edge of, of technology and what's going on. So um, we apologize for our absence, but we have been on the road. Um, meetings aren't over, but um, they're slowed down enough. Uh, field, field work starting. We're planting corn here in South Texas. We started that last week. Um, so now it was a great time to get back in the routine, get a podcast back on the, on the tracks and that's where we've been. So, yeah, it's been, um, it's really been crazy, hasn't it, Ethan? We really haven't let up, let off the throttle at all. <laughs> oh, I know, man. It's, I think, um, from, you know, our the big meetings, we have manager meetings, you know, and a little earlier, but the big one for the bulk of the agronomists start, uh, we have our annual, um, full staff meeting in uh, the first week of November every year. And that kind of kicks off the just onslaught of education. (laughs) (laughs) And they're traveling and everything. (laughs) Well, then you throw the holidays in there, especially Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's. Yeah. I mean, I think I I would, at one point I sat down and did some math on how many times I slept in my own bed through all this. And um, I think it was a third of the time through November and December, a third of the nights were in my bed at my own home, you know. That's so, crazy, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. But, you know, that that's part of what makes CropQuest unique is uh, from other independent crop consultants um, is CropQuest spends a lot of time, money, and effort in that getting us educated on what's new, you know, to keep us from getting stuck in a rut, whether that be from Precision Ag, um, from a herbicide routine just to keep us on the cutting edge. So, um, you know, I mean, it is what it is. I mean, it's good. It's not a bad thing, you know, we're that we're on the road getting all this education. Um, so what do you have a, a tidbit of knowledge that you enjoyed learning or something new that you didn't would want to share with, uh, with the folks, Kevin? Well, I just don't know if you want to go down this road because I'm going to go somewhere about a conference we had a few days oh. ago. No, pick a I mean, specific uh, piece of like technology or a herbicide. Um, let's see. Oh, so um, I'm trying to remember when it a couple months ago, uh, Precision Planning put on. Um, uh, it was a grower meeting, but it was more agronomy based. And when I say agronomy based, it was more about their findings, you know? So basically all their new products, their test products, they were, um, they, they, they tested and then they brought it to yield. And so they were bringing forth all the results to, to the agronomists and and I forget what they called that meeting, but anyway, I, it was a satellite deal in Burlington, Colorado, that I went with a couple of my farmers and another CropQuest guy. And it was, it's just really phenomenal where we're going. Um, you know, they've got basically an automatic depth. You know, you've got, you got your seed firmer that's got an infrared light shooting out of it, another light that detects soil moisture, right? 
and, and an actual organic matter as well. And then as it's sensing that, it, it can place depth like on the fly. Now you can have parameters to set it so that, okay, I'm not socking it in the ground four inches deep or I'm not putting it a half inch deep, but yeah. it's pretty neat that we're, we're there, you know, like it, yeah. it's hard to comprehend. There's a lot of hesitancy uh, about having something else uh, control what you want to do. Um, but beyond that, I think that one thing that stuck out in, um, and two meetings we've had is uh, planner maintenance. Um, you know, if you, if you strip away all the technology, it's getting back to the basics and saying, all right, let, let's rebuild this thing and make sure you're uh, putting it in the ground as, as far as you think you are, because we all know that that's the most important pass in the field. Yeah, exactly. You don't start strong. You're not going to finish strong. Yeah. But one of the coolest pieces of technology that I saw um introduced it's kind of a prototype still but have you ever seen the movie minority report i think that's the movie where they they'll arrest people before they commit a crime yeah yeah so this is the principle behind this technology um it 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 has like it's 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 on a toolbar and each row has like a miniature kind of like a weed whacker kind of head with a little piece of wire you know and um it can scan the plant and if it you set the parameters for what your yield potential you want to be and if that plant can't produce it, it just cuts it off. Yeah. Now, a question I have is how do they, like, if you're traveling it. That's a joke, Kevin. That's a joke. That's not a real <laughs> I thing. Like, I was like, <laughs> there's no way you can do that. You'd wipe out like five foot of row if you just turn the thing on just for a little bit. No, no. That's a joke. You had so, ah, oh, man. See, you, you know, this is why, this is why we have five listeners because of my uh, amazing comedy. So, but what, yeah. is, what is something interesting that, that you've seen? So, you know, um, just from my college background and stuff, I have kind of a, a soft spot in my heart for soil fertility. By no means am I a fertility expert. It's just something fun to kind of uh, dive deep in. And um, there's, there's people in our company that will blow my mind with their fertility knowledge, but um it's just, it's one of the things I enjoy about our jobs. And, and I think it's something that a lot of producers, um, they're willing to, uh, in low commodity prices was one of the first things they're willing to kind of cut back on, which is dangerous. You know, I mean, if it's just, you know, in my opinion, if, you know, planning is almost number one, maybe a one a, if you don't start strong, you're not going to finish strong. And then a, a one B or a number two is, is fertility. If you don't have the groceries for your, your plants to eat, then they're going to struggle. Um, so anyway, <clears throat> excuse me. So uh, there's, there's been a lot of research, um, you know, cotton yields are really um, just blowing through what the glass ceiling used to be. Uh, part of that's growth regulator um, management, um, just variety selection, the, the varieties are a lot different than what they used to be um, of what they've selected for. And they've, you know, seed companies do what seed companies do. And now they're producing more, more uh, lint in their, um, in their varieties, you know, they're more indeterminate every year. There's more and more indeterminate stuff, uh, more aggressive growing varieties. Um, So anyway, with that becomes a, a completely different management philosophy on fertility. 
and it, it just the plant's not what you know when they built these standards 40 50 60 years ago they're vastly inaccurate now they're nowhere close from a phosphorus potassium standpoint and even a nitrogen standpoint so there's been a lot of research they have they don't have an answer for it now but um it's exciting to see that research and to see that okay well we thought this was kind of going on now the universities are, are telling us yes we don't have an answer for you but we're on the path to so um that was exciting that was kind of a an underlying theme um we had a couple folks at our um week-long meeting uh, that crop quest puts on and then we ha uh <clears throat> you, we go go back home and all these variety meetings you know that next gen and bayer and everybody's putting on uh your, your typical dinner meetings with growers and even they are talking about it so right. when you, you know when you start seeing the delta pines and stuff like that you know talk about fertility it's it's exciting because oh that that's where the money is going to come to the universities to do some more research you know if industry is bought into this issue i guess you would call it um then you know they're going to drive because i mean it, it benefits industry from a seed company standpoint to better understand their fertility so we can get full, you know, full potential if, we, if we're bumping up against five bells if we get our fertility right could we do six or seven well you know it's no different than corn or anything we're building race cars you know, yeah. that's what it is. We're building a high, high maintenance, high producing hybrid, and they're not definitely not the same. You know, corn varieties aren't the same as they were in the '80s. You know, you look back at that, and um, yeah, it it is different, and and our research has changed vastly. Yeah, and I, 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 I think mean, I guess I say that, and maybe I should state that better that you know some of the research is pretty dated. You know. Yeah. Um, that, that, that some of the, you know, some of the university stuff is not on par with, uh, with our current stuff. Some, but some is. Yeah. yeah. You know, and that's what blows my mind. You talk to, I mean, maybe I shouldn't say this, but you know, we talk to potential clients about fertility and there's so many guys that just don't, they're not concerned about it. You know, it's like, well, the soil types don't change that much. Well, well the, I mean, the soil texture, yes. The soil texture is, you know, <laughs> over thousands of years it will change. But your fertility can be drastically impacted, especially in our area where they're growing veggies, you know, and they how are – uh, What's how that? How much of your ground is leased, though? Because that plays a huge factor in it. You know, yeah. if you own it, yeah, let's pour the groceries to it. But, <laughs> you know, if, if I'm a tenant farmer for Ethan, um, I'm probably not going to pour the groceries to it because yeah. – uh, you know what what's in it for for me if you yank it out from underneath my feet yeah i had that conversation with a guy um a couple weeks ago we had we made different fertility plans for five-year leases own yeah. ground and one-year leases do you have any of your guys that try to negotiate um let's say soil management you know like if you if you can keep it up or build it up it do any of your guys have that in a contract so that they can maybe get paid or I have a couple like that where um, it, you're investing in the land. So therefore there's some, um, some shared cost. Maybe, yeah. uh, maybe they're paying for some of the fertilizer mm -hmm. or maybe they'll get some of that on the back end if they were to lose the lease or something like that. Um, is that is some of that. It's very uncommon though. 
Yeah, very, there's, very there's only a few that I know of that are that way. Because um, I think generally, if that's the case, then probably the, the landowner is the one that uh, would help pay for that. But yeah, and you know, and when you get closer to the coast, um, in the, the coastal bit and upper Gulf Coast areas, you'll actually have less cash rent opportunities and more um, like a 60-40 split or 70-30 yeah. split. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so at that point, you know, the landowner is paying for portions of that. So that makes a little more enticing to invest in the land if, you know. Well, but you're in a completely different ballgame due to the fact that you have multiple crops per year. Whereas, yeah. you know, in the Midwest, it's just, well, maybe two, but no more than a double crop, you know? Yeah. Where we, you know, an acre averages a, a crop and a half a year. Yeah. You know, um, you know, I have a grower that we're, we're working on herbicide plants. This guy also runs a lot of cattle, a lot of stockers that he ships up to the panhandle of Texas to get finished out. And um, so he's going to plant corn. He's going to have three crops. Okay. He, so as soon as the corn's done, they're going to no-till drill, uh, like some suit in or hay grazer, uh, you know, forward sorghum. And then when it freezes off, they're going to plant oats. Wow. This is more or less <laughs> a cover crop, kind of. <laughs> well, yeah. And, the, well, the cover crop – or the – sorry, the oats are going to be grazed out. They're not going to be harvested. The only thing oh. that's going to be truly harvested is the, the corn. But um, that brings some interesting uh, conversations with, with chem reps and – extension and what trying to find a herbicide plan you know that will go through all that you know and that's what we run into a lot too is a lot of this um the research you know the the herbicide residual studies they're done in the midwest or someplace where you don't have active soils year-round and um so for us we have high ph's and we have very active soils so they you know in a high ph you know, you're going to, certain chemistry is going to get tied up longer and have longer plant backs, but you also have these higher, um, or you have 11 months basically where our soils are active. So we have, you know, we don't have much organic matter because the microbes are constantly eating it. Um, which goes, so there's no research to show with herbicides, you know, will atrazine really last that long or will, you know, name your, your herbicide. Um, you know, it, it can't, but we don't know to what extent, you know, that's the problem. There's no research to show the difference. We've already proven that like through like, we're already pushing, I shouldn't say that maybe in public, but (laughs) well, we already proven that atrazine, you know, or, or some chemicals are already breaking down faster because like the soil, let's call it the soil solutions used to them. You know, like it's just a yeah. common thing to have that in the in the system, so we're not necessarily killing off anything, and they're actually able to break it down quicker. Yeah. Yep. But, um, so I guess getting into this year, I've kind of mentioned it already. In South Texas, we started planting corn last week. Uh, when I leave here, dirty we are going. <laughs> yeah before <laughs> corn in the ground before valentine's day man. oh that's just that's awful <laughs> uh, that's i have a, a grower that he cut back his his cotton acres and uh i'm sorry his corn acres 
And he said, well, when I'm done, can I go ahead and plant corn or cotton? Sorry. Okay. Let's back up. He cut back his corn acres and he asked me Friday, if when he, we're done planting the corn, can he go ahead and start the cotton? Which is the answer normally is yes. But he started early with his corn and he, uh, uh, you know, has less acres. So to try to convince him, no. <laughs> so uh, familiar though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not this year, you know, but anyway, so yeah, you know, we're, um, yeah, we've got corn in the ground. I'm sure in a few days we'll have some up. So, um, cotton before you know it. Um, we actually have some canola this year, which is kind of a new thing for us, but really that surprises me that you guys would dabble in the canola. I don't know why, but it just does surprise me some. Yeah. Um, we'll see, you know, it's not roundup ready canola, so that's fun. Not many options there. Well, but I don't, well, I don't want to, I don't have any canola, but I don't know if the stuff we grow is roundup ready truthfully because I was just talking to, we were doing a, Oh, the cop, we had to present at this, uh, or bring a booth to a, a NACTA contest. We kind of set up a booth, and one of the guys I was riding with, uh, he looks at some canola, and, and we were talking and visited about it. And the just I got was that there wasn't any Roundup because he was talking about mustards and stuff getting out of control, and there was nothing you could do. So, yeah, I know there are some out there, but we're doing hybrid canola. And, oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So I know our varieties aren't. I don't. I don't know. I probably should know if there's hybrid Roundup Ready canola. I don't think there is. I. I don't know. I don't think so either. But I, it wouldn't. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the reason I guess that people are, are starting to dabble in it down here is our wheat is not dual purpose like you think of it in Kansas and in Oklahoma. Um, we grow a lot of spring wheat, so uh, right. a lot of the raising out. Yeah. yeah, that was what scared me so much about canola. I don't know if we we're gonna have enough winter for it. You know. Yeah, the the thing that I always struggle with is <laughs> you cut it right and it runs like water. <laughs> so, yeah. so everything has to be duct taped up and trash yeah. bags under the hopper and combines got to be duct taped and one little leak and you hear horror stories of somebody showing up and oops, well, you don't have anything in there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I did, uh, you know, I had that one summer in Kansas and that there was a, it was kind of a flash in the pan. There's a bunch of canola that year for some reason. And, uh, I remember one of the customers up there, he, he was told that it, you know, it flows like water. If you have a leak, you will find it. So he filled his grain buggy up with water. <laughs> so he could find the holes right. and it, yeah i mean it, interesting. It, yeah and i mean he was the only one who didn't have any leaks so yeah yeah <laughs> i of course it was you know he kind of got one of the smaller ones and he only he dedicated that to canola but you know it uh it, it's insane how small that stuff is but um you know for us vegetables are starting to get in full swing sweet corn is up um, we'll start to plant some early watermelons in the next couple of weeks. You planted that a few weeks ago already. Like it was early. It, yeah. I mean, the sweet corn was planted probably the first of February. In the stages, I would imagine. Right. Yeah. So, so um, the reason you will only see sweet corn quite this early um, in our area, 
Uh, well, I mean, other areas, Florida will do it some, but historically they've haven't had quite the luck with it as we have, as we're trying to go uh, after the the Memorial Day market. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. So um, that that's why uh, they're planting so early. They're trying to get um, some of the the you know new crop into the Memorial Day market, and that's that's domestic instead of having to import it from some other warmer climate. Um, so that's the, the rush to get some acres in, you know, as I've seen guys plant as early as the 25th of January. Really? So, yeah. Mm. So, I've also had field corn planted the 30th of January when it was, there was $7 corn and guys acres went up, you know, cause what we're worried about is it getting too hot uh, yeah, get on the back you end. You, know? you don't cool off either. Yeah. So come, you know, we're, we're drying down in July that can pose a problem. Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah. Cause you, you know, we, <laughs> us here in Kansas from the Midwest is like back in time for you. You know, we're, yeah, yeah. Our, it's, it's, uh, it's kind of funny when you'll see those email chains or our, our teams, you know, and someone will post something I'm like, man, um, that happened six weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it, it, you know, and I always say that, um, the are are the guys up north that y'all should somehow you know pay us for being your sentinel plot because well, you know i get so many phone calls if they haven't heard from me like have you got southern rust yet how bad was it did you have to spray twice you know all bad things do come from texas i'm just saying oh that, that hurts <laughs> that hurts so i don't know if you want to talk more about this sentinel plot when you're the the vector I'm the ve- I'm not the sentinel plot. I'm patient zero. Yeah, you are patient <laughs> zero. <laughs> yeah, maybe may, you know what we should do is is quarantine me so I don't have to go to Kansas for meetings. You know, uh, just just call like, in them. You know? like that too much. I don't know if we can do that. <laughs> we'll just make you wear a mask everywhere you go. Yeah, <laughs> uh, when I when I cross the line, I have to sanitize my truck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Yeah. So what well, what's uh, what's going on in the field in in Kansas? Are, are y'all strip tilling? Are you are you pre water? No, um, there. So a lot of our soils are froze, but I say froze. I mean not that deep, but there's a little bit of strip tilling going on. So I think most of what needs to be finished may be finished later on. Um, but we it's been really weird. We haven't been that cold either we had two or three days in a row where it's cold and then we get back into the fifties. So, um, but so let's see here in, um, end of the month. Well, we're already in the end of the month, but, um, here in a week or so plus for sure in two weeks post that, or maybe I should just say mid March, early March, we'll start with our, our pre's, you know, for our kosher. Um, yeah. and, and that'll go on dry land and, um, irrigated stuff. Haven't really pre-water checked much. There is some pre-water going on. Um, we still remain pretty dry. You know, we, we've got yeah. a few snows, but I mean, I think we finished up the year and we went six, seven months without rain then got an inch here or there. So, I mean, it was dry enough. We couldn't hardly pull samples. Um, I understand that. Yeah. That's where, you know, I have to, you know, we harvest corn in 
July, but I don't ever start soil sampling until October because I can't, I mean, you hit a, put a probe on the ground and it sparks fly up, you know? So yeah, we're still, I guess we're still in the planning phase, I guess, getting everything in order, going through seeds, seed orders and, and all that good stuff. And um, yeah. we still have, seems like every week we have somebody coming by our office and saying, Hey, we want to put on a meeting or want to update you on our product. So it, we still got all that going on as well. So yeah. Yeah, that's we're kind of in our final push of those meetings. What's to the point now? Or do I? Okay, there's three of us here. Um, you, you know, so um, you go to this one, and I'll go to the one tomorrow. Well, <laughs> yeah. it's different too when you're in the field and busy. Yeah, yeah. Whereas you know we're we're still uh, taking our leisure break before the the <laughs> six month headache happens. Yeah, yeah, you're you're licking your wounds and getting hydrated. <laughs> and yeah. I tell you, that's the best part about. The, the winter here is I actually get hydrated. I feel like from May to August, I'm just, there's not enough water that yeah. I can drink. Right. <laughs> right. You know, you feel like a, like a raisin, you know? Right. But, um, so are you seeing any, any big shifts from, I mean, um, are guys trying some new chemistry out herbicide wise? Are they any major concerns or? Oh, it seems uh, like, seems like everything comes in cycles, you know, like yeah. um, you, you use something that works for a while and then it, it's, you, you notice that it's not as effective. And so you start trying other things and all of a sudden it moves to other things. And I don't know about you guys, but um, there's a lot of generic stuff going on right now, not as much name brand. And I think a lot of that comes from just the, not the hardship, but money's tight or budgets yeah. are tight. Um, yeah. and, and so there, and don't get me wrong. We are still doing some, some name brand stuff, but there's a lot of, uh, a lot of generic stuff that's being, being applied yeah. and looked at. So, yeah, we, um, I'm not seeing a big push to generic yet. Um, but what I, I have had more conversations with guys talk about programs, whether it's Bayer plus, whether it's a Syngenta program, well, it's, F it's, FMC's pro. I mean, it's, there's huge money in it. I mean, yeah, I mean, they're, it is, they're it is. like, especially, you know, Bayer released their new one this fall and it's like, wow, you better be in this program. Seriously. You know? And, yeah. And it's, it's so clear of yeah, what, and, you know, so, and, and I think that's why a lot of guys are and what the conversations I'm having too is, you know, guys are saying I'm not married to Bayer, but I'm also not married to Sagina or FMC or BASF. Like I want to capitalize on all of them. Yeah. So, we're, you know, we have so many crops that we can, um, you know, hit certain targets with, and, and they want to do it without changing their program first. Well, so, it comes down to planning, Ethan. Seriously. Yeah. Because you and we, what you're going to do, and then that, that decides what program you want to be in, you know, because, hey, I want to exactly. use this chemical or that chemical or whatever. Yeah. So it's, we've went through the last two years of program or of our, our on farm program. We've, uh, looked at it. Okay. How does it fit with these new chemical company programs? Yeah. And okay. So now how can we change things and not sacrifice any, uh, agonomic principles to capitalize on, you know, financially. For sure. so that, that's, that's been, I mean, it, it's kind of been fun, but it's kind of been, it's just different. I mean, I, I would rather go have those conversations than, um, 
have a guy buy a bunch of generics just just for the simple fact of if we buy a name brand, there's more backing and there's a safety net. It makes me feel more comfortable. Agronomically, there's no reason. I mean, generics are fine, but you know, just from a, you know, a comfort factor, you know, I'm glad they're like, okay, let's, let's, let's try name brand first, you know? And so, well, and I think things are tight enough that some folks are just willing to give that up. Yeah. And and we will get there. I mean, we haven't got there to that point i mean our our some of our graze out oats and wheat um we've got there we got there a couple of years ago yeah you know? um but you know it, it's all steps you just got to go through it all but i don't know we need we need some commodity prices to go up so i don't know how that's going to happen but well yeah it, it, we, <laughs> we can always use a, another dollar or another 50 cents yeah yeah, I've had so many customers tell me, you know, it's, it, it, this is not fun with this price. <laughs> you know, it's just, yeah. farming is just not fun. You know, with when, you know, even who would have thought that $5 corn would have been appealing, you know? For sure. You For know? Sure. <laughs> but. Well, um, but, but as everybody says, it's, it is a version of the 80s. You know, you and I yeah. weren't obviously around in the 80s, but the high interest rate or is a reason it made it tough, but we have interest rates that are low. So that's not the problem, you know, yeah. and we're just, things are tight. Yeah. But this too shall end though, you know, yeah. it's not forever. It's got to weather the storm. Well, and in that point, you just got to find your niche, whether it's canola exactly. or whatever, you know, you got to find what works for you and, and an avenue to, to make a little money Yeah, in, in the midst of a drought or a desert. Yeah. You know, and, and selfishly, uh, this has, maybe I shouldn't say this, but uh, there's been some of those, you know, some customers use our services to a fuller extent than others, you know, and um, it's been fun to really get to know some guys, you know, that have used everything that we can offer in these tough times, you know, uh, because that's what we're here for, you know, we're passionate about being independent crop consultants so well we don't make money if they're if they're belly up exactly you know we're here to help them in a lot of different facets and it's been enjoyable you know i mean just looking at the silver lining is what i'm doing you know i mean you gotta it's a tough time so you just have to you know uh find the positives you know right right about it so but um so um, you know, we've, we've talked a little bit about our absence. We've talked a little bit about what's going on in the field. Um, I don't know, Kevin, what, what, uh, what other topics do you have to, to jot over before we sign off? And I don't know. As always, you know, we welcome ideas. Yes. We would love to have some viewer yeah. interaction. I mean, somebody, you know, once, once more guest host on internally, we, we want to, you know, if you want some people from industry on extension on, um, we'd love to hear some feedback, see how, uh, how that goes. Um, but that's about all I have, man. So. Yeah. I think maybe we'll just keep this one short and, um, we'll have something better for next time or. We'll have something longer. It was, it was, this was beautiful. I had, you know, I I worked my 
comedic excellence. Oh, these headphones aren't fitting quite so much. So. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. With uh, that, thank, thank you, everybody, for listening. Um, like again, we'll be back in full swing and regular release as much as we can from this point forward. And um, thank you for hanging in there with us. Yes, sir. So as, as always, always, you can oh. you can get us at media at cropquest.com for any comments, questions, concerns. Uh please no hate mail. <laughs> if you do have hate mail, please you know put Colt's name on it, our yeah. producer that's not producing today. Um he is the, the person that's in that too. <laughs> not Kevin or I. So. And then we're we're on uh, I think Twitter at, at CropQuest. And then uh, if you just search for CropQuest, we're on Facebook as well. So, well, thanks for those uh, that information, Kevin. And as always, I'm Ethan. This is Kevin. Peace out. Until, until then, we'll see you all next time. Yep, see you guys. Our business is knowing the business of growing. We take pride in your success being better.